Welcome to another episode of Across the Field. Double B and PB in the house. PB, what's going on? What's the best thing about going seven now? No. Yes, sir. Buckeyes, Buckeyes roll the Hawkeyes. Had to throw that in there because Urban was in the house on uh, this weekend. Big news down here. So, you know, yeah. beautiful weekend. I don't know how how gorgeous it was up in Northwest Ohio, but if it was anything half of what it was down here in Columbus, it was a heck of a weekend. Yeah, great weekend. Um, definitely uh, not your typical Week 10 high school football weather. Uh, was a little breezy in Paulding Friday night, but but not too bad. So at least it wasn't 30 in the wind blowing, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it was perfect on Saturday for the Buckeye game, and I was I was wearing shorts on uh, Saturday evening. It was just so yeah. warm. Yeah, it so. was it was a great weekend. It was nice. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so yeah, where where do you want to start? You you want to talk well, about the Buckeyes get started? No, let let's go all the way back to Thursday. Your Cardinals got a big W on Thursday night. Okay. Uh, we'll, they we'll did progress for, for through the days. What's that? And then we'll just progress through the days. Okay. Yeah. So Thursday, um, I had both TVs going. I had uh, Thursday night football and the Cardinals on one, and then I had uh, the Yankees Astros game two on the other TV. And oh man, about the same time, I texted you, and uh, because. Um, you know, Alex Bregman went yard and made it three, nothing. And the Cardinals were looking like trash. And I texted you and I said, well, I'm going to bed. I'm not watching this stuff. <laughs> and literally like five minutes, I thought, well, I'll give her five more minutes. And five minutes later, the Cardinals get a pick six on defense right before halftime. And they go ahead and the Yankees score two runs off of a couple errors and, I was like, okay, well, there we go. Maybe something can happen. So, um, obviously, it didn't happen with the baseball game, but uh, Cardinals look pretty good. But those two pick sixes before halftime, right in a row. I don't, did you see those? I did, and you know, I'm not blaming one on Andy Dalton at all. Maybe both of them, not not Andy Dalton's fault. Yeah, I mean, one right through the hands of yeah, yeah. So. I mean, obviously, I think that was the difference in the game was uh, the two pick sixes. and But, you know, get it done however you can. And, boy, the one Isaiah Simmons had, I know he's fast, but after he caught it, did you? I he mean, hit another level now. Oh, man, he's got wheels. And that they've, they rant and rave all the time about how fast he is. And you don't always maybe get to see it. You see his range sideline to sideline. But just watching him in a – in a foot race, you know, to the end zone, I was like, holy smokes, that dude could fly. So, yeah, Cardinals get a big one. I, I liked what I saw. Um, I want to ask you this. What do you think of uh, right there? It was it was before half, um, maybe before we got the pick sixes, um, that Kyler and, and Cliff Kingsbury kind of went at each other. You know, uh they they said it on the TV, and I agree. Um, or I see someone talking about it. Um, it show, Kyler's more of a quiet guy, mm-hmm. down to earth. I mean, just doesn't is not a vocal leader, and then that that really shows that you know he does care. 
quite honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I like seeing it. Um, I mean, it's nothing that, you know, it's just heat of the moment. It's competitiveness. And um, he didn't agree with what Cliff said. And, you know, Cliff kind of stepped back. He didn't go chirp right back at him. Uh, they, they handled it the right way. And I'm sure everything's fine. Yeah, and I think I think Cliff handled it really well because he could have turned around and snapped back and then that would have just escalated the whole situation. And I think he had the bigger picture in mind that, hey, we, we still have to convert here. Right. Um, we got to send this guy back out onto the field. It's not like you have time to, um, you know, calm down on the sideline like him, but, you know, while the defense is on the field or something. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, that happens a lot. You see that happen a lot. Yeah. It's just guys competing and, and want to win. And, you know, both have different philosophies, you know. Yeah. Um, now, maybe I would talk to him and say, hey, let's try not to do that while the camera's on us, like as we're going to timeout, you know, you're being, you know, cameras right on you. Uh, maybe we can handle that a little bit better, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anything, there's nothing wrong with it. So, yeah. And, you know, thinking about high school kids, you know, the high school kids see that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. So, um, that's not a way to talk back to a coach, but these are two grown men in the NFL and yeah. So, yeah, don't handle it in a different way. Is I would agree with that. Um, yeah, so maybe after the game, you know, Kyle uh, Cliff Kingsbury brings him in the office and, um, you know, talks to him and tell him, hey, you know, let's settle it down and not do it in front of the camera like you said. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I was okay with it. So, Cardinals get a uh, they moved to, to three and four on the air. So about time we get some touchdowns on Thursday night. Wow. There was an abundance of scoring. Oh yeah. Definitely hit that over. Hit that over. So, yep. and, uh, and obviously I picked the Cardinals and got a game up there in our pick them this week. So yeah, I want to so bring, I want to, I want to bring that up too. We had, uh, counting us, we had 19, um, entries for the pick this week. That's the largest we've had yet. I felt like I sent you I sent you more emails than uh, about picks that I've received. Yeah. So. Yeah. We had some different ones. We had more, but then we had some fall out from the week before. So, uh, but still a, a really good number. So, and I'll tell you this: out of the nineteen, eleven got every high school game right on Friday night. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So I was one of them. Um, there, there was good, and there's good games Friday night. There was, there was. Um, so so how, yeah. how, how are we going to do that for you know for our viewers to hear about what games we're going to pick at the high school? Just pick now the playoff time. Pick the teams in our area still remaining. Yeah, we're. I mean, we'll we'll take her week by week and and see what happens, but. Uh, we may not do five. There might be, you know, like this week we might have uh, seven, maybe not do as many college games or something, or maybe we'll do less high school games and add more college games, more NFL games. Um, just we'll take our week by week and look at the slate. I still think we want to do – we're going to do right around 15. That way we don't have a, a chance at a tie. Yeah, um, I know, think 15 is the right number. It is, and it's been working out good for us. So I think we'll keep it right around there. Um, 
don't know what you think about it, but I, I'm good with that. Yep. So that's I don't crazy. It's crazy. Week 11's here. Yeah, that's nuts. So just yeah. like just like at the season's over, and you know some teams are packing it up and getting ready to to you know get ready for uh, basketball season or, or wrestling, and uh, yeah, some teams advance to week eleven. Now, yep, and then the, the beauty of the playoffs is everyone's records. Oh no, yeah, all right, you're in. You know, you win, uh, win, you stay, lose, go home. So I, that's how I feel when it gets to tournament time. Everyone's records the same. Throw yep. the records out the window. Anything can happen. Absolutely. But I do. I'm. I. I'm very curious to see the scores of the 16 and one games. Mm-hmm. The 15 and two. Um, that, that that's where I have problem with uh, the new format. And I don't. I don't know if you want to get into that tangent yet, but uh, I I have problem with it. Just you got teams under 500 making it. Yeah. I know. I mean, in every other sport, it was it was very significant to make the playoffs. Yeah, um, and if they were going to expand it, they should have done twelve. Mm-hmm. I believe, and but then you're messing with a a buy, and I don't know if you want to deal with that. So it meant something to make the playoffs. So there's 28 regions, you know, obviously, and 16 teams in each region get in, and so to me, that's just a high number. Um, that's 448, I think, if I, I did my math right. And I believe last year when I Googled it, and I would have to look again, but I think there's only like high, it might be like a low 700, uh, high 600 schools that have, uh, that have football. And so to put more than half of teams in, you know, I just, I don't know. Um, I see it both ways. I mean, giving kids an opportunity to keep playing football and, you know, some of the bigger schools that might be all they play. Um, Right. So every opportunity, you know, another week they get to go out on the field. um, That's great. But at the same time, it's just sometimes you get, you know, when it was, it was the top eight in each region, you got some, uh, some blowouts and you definitely saw it last year with 16. Um, but there were also a couple 16 seeds that upset ones last year. If you remember. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, and then again, you look at a region like uh, region 18 and division five, that's probably a good argument to have 16 teams in. Right. Yeah. That's, that's loaded. Um, but then you look at like, uh, I was looking yesterday. There's a region in Division One that's only got 17 teams in the whole region. It's like so you're leaving one team out. Everybody else gets in, and their record, you know, the 16 seed record was like one and nine. You know, it was I. I so that I just don't get. I don't know. And okay, the OHSA. I have so many problems with the OHSA. Um, yeah, and. Give payback to the schools um, if you're going to expand the playoffs. Give the first round. You know, these schools have to go in and host these playoff games. Uh-huh. You know, let them, you know, give them, let them make the money off of ticket sales or give them a pinch. All right, yeah. you're selling, you're selling these tickets for, I don't know. Last, I, I went to a playoff game last year. I paid $10 for a high school football game ticket. 
Yeah. Give the school five of each ticket, or give them the school three. Give them something. Yeah. And and then the you know if you do pre-sale, I think if you do pre-sale, you know, you give the school so much more money, uh, because and then in the white team should get money because Wayne Trace is gonna have to travel over two hours. Yep. Tenor is gonna have to travel over two hours. Yeah. Napoleon two hours. Brian two hours. Defiance two hours. I got a problem with that because the OHSAA is not paying the fuel bill. Yeah. And so let's say, I mean, you got a family of four. Uh, you've got, and I don't know what tickets are. You said you paid 10 bucks. To the Van Wert second round against Wauseon last year. Okay. So let's say there's $40 in tickets. Not to mention getting in a car and drive, you know, spending over four and a half hours on the road, five hours on the road to and from. Not to mention, you're probably going to buy something at the concession stand. Yep, stop and eat, you know, everything like that. I mean, that's an expensive Friday night. and um, To go watch high, high school football. Yeah, and, I, and it's not that, you know, you feel bad for the just a normal fan that goes, but you feel bad for the high school kid um, that's maybe playing that wants their classmates there, uh, wants their family there, and, you know, maybe those families can't afford it. Um, and it's – that's that's the unfortunate part. Um, and the and a test to that that once their high school buddies there, you know if I you know I don't know how my parents were. I mean, I wouldn't want my kid driving two and a half hours to go watch a high school game on a Friday night. Yeah, I mean they're not going to get back to what midnight, twelve thirty. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not real safe. Um, no. Yeah, I I don't know. I've got. To me, there's different ways you could you could uh, map out the regions, and uh, I don't know, I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, um, but yeah, I I just I've got mixed feelings on it. All right, what what enough of that? Let's uh, dive into the Black Swamp Bowl. Uh, okay, I, Friday Friday night, you go ahead. Holy crap! Uh, I was juiced up. Uh, me and Dayton Price kept calling each other back and forth, talking about the game. I was pacing around my room by myself. Luckily, I had buddies coming up to watch the game, and uh, I was pacing around my room before they got here. You know, just because, uh, you know, I I remember that those feelings, and you know, that that's a big game mm-hmm. for everyone on both sides. I don't know. That's how I weird. I, I get weird in those big games like that. Still, so and. Uh, Man, understandably, understandably so, because you're only two years out of high school. And I, yeah. I was like that at that age also. I was still yeah. – the older I get, the more – I mean, it's, it's still important. Obviously, I went, but I don't get as, as wound up, I guess, maybe. Right. Um, as antsy. But, it's, I mean, it still does get the juices flowing for oh, sure. Yeah. So. So, um, I thought the, the party always brought it early. Uh, I thought, you know – you know, we talked about on the podcast, you know, if Wayne Trace, you know, don't let Paulie hang around. And, uh, you know, that score was 0-0 at halftime. I mean, not at halftime, at the end of the first quarter. Um, they played inspired. Uh, but Wayne Trace is just a little too much. I, I give Coach Holden and his staff a lot of credit for what they did. They recognize that Paulding really likes to bring pressure. And Kobe and Jack got to him, uh, got to Kyle Four at times. Um, Kyle Stoller. Yes. Got to Kyle yeah. and yeah, there was times where uh, Coach Holden they knew the pre- uh, blitz was coming, and late in that in that second half, late second quarter, 
um, they start hitting screens, and uh, that, that's where they got got tough plays. So, you know, I yeah. give Coach and his staff a lot of credit. And then uh, their defense played another stellar performance. They're the real deal. Yeah, I don't know if you just heard that uh, that car go by here. Sitting out in the cave watching some football. We're recording this on Sunday night. I don't know if we made mention of that, but sitting out here watching football and somebody in like a dune buggy just went flying by my house. So that was what <laughs> you heard there. Caught me off guard a little bit. I turned around and looked and I'm like, what in the world? Thought somebody had a lawnmower that was ju- juiced up. <laughs> how, how was uh, the crowd though Friday night? Well, okay, so when I got there, I thought, man, there are a lot of cars here. And to be honest with you, I was a little shocked because I did, it didn't feel like there was that many people there. But looking back on it, um, there were there was a good crowd for Week Ten. I'll say that in, in a rivalry game. I think if it was, um you know, week one, like it was traditionally, obviously season's just getting started. Um, there'd have been a bigger crowd, but, uh, there was, there's a really good crowd. I mean, I've seen a lot worse crowds come week 10. So, yeah. And I didn't go last year. You were there last year. Um, when they played not there last year, you were not there. Okay. I thought nope. you were, that was a week nine matchup. Right. And yeah, I think I I don't know what I had going on, but I did watch it on my sports, and I thought, man, there is not. Again, it was okay crowd, but I thought this it year was, was more. If I remember right, it was real crappy weather that night. Yeah, yeah, it was rainy. I think that's got something to do with it, obviously. Um, but it, it was a pretty good crowd. The atmosphere was good. Um, you did you get yourself better. some? Did you get yourself some uh, Corey and uh, Jeff's wings? I did not. Oh and my I, goodness! I know, I missed out. Um, as soon as I walked up, though, you know, obviously you could smell them, and I was like, "Man, I should get some wings." And then I was like, "Nah," they had a pretty good line, and so I just went over and got myself a couple brats. Um, I do love the brats too, so got me a couple of those and. Uh, didn't even get popcorn. I was a little disappointed in myself. Just settled with the two brats. And you and Ryan says it's the best popcorn around. I know. Um, that's that's. If, I don't know if our listeners that had tried the wings at this point football games, but they are they're stinking good. Yeah, I I mean I I missed out. I should have got some, but um, like I said, just. <laughs> Got there a little later than I anticipated and, you know, had some – want to get my brats, get in a good spot and all that it, stuff. Antwerp's got the fish. I think we're going to turn into having the wings. There you go. Now Wayne Trace needs a staple. <laughs> and that, then everybody in the county would have a, a, a go-to meal. Go-to meal on Friday night. <laughs> um, what do you think of the game now? The, the game itself – um, it was really good. Uh, Paulding really brought it, I thought. And, you know, we talked to Coach Menzi the other night. I don't know if he mentioned it much on the air, but people that don't know, we talked to him for over an hour, and you probably only heard about a half hour of it, if I'm not mistaken, right, Peyton? Right. Um, 
we talked to him for over an hour and you know he he said i mean Paulding did everything they said they were going he said they were going to do you know so um they stuck to the game plan they brought pressure um they got some some good shots on Kyle i thought um but i thought Wayne Trace did a pretty decent job of of protecting him keeping him upright he made he extended some plays with his feet a little bit i thought um and uh you know it was good on both sides it was i thought it was pretty clean it was hard hitting um both teams laid the lumber a few times um i was really impressed with that i haven't seen a, a high school game in a long time that kind of had some big shots like that so um it was good it was a good game Paulding hung right in there i thought Paulding had the momentum in the first quarter um maybe even into the second and wayne trace was kind of kept weathering the storm they punched one in and um then it, you could tell it kind of flipped a little bit. So, I think Wayne Trace's depth is, you know, most teams have that one guy you could take away on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Wayne Trace, I, I don't know who you stop because they're all really consistent. You have yeah. Kale Winans. You have Dylan Hildebrand. You have Race Price. You have Bean, not to mention you have Beanie in the backfield. Oh, wait, and we forgot about Cole Moorhead that used to uh, tote the rock as the quarterback. Yeah. You know, they're just so deep. And, um, I mean, what seed did they end up getting? The 15. The 15. I tell you what, if you're the two seed, I would, you know, I would not take that 15 beside their name lightly. You know, they, they come up short against Edgerton. They come up short against Tenor. This team is a couple plays away from having a couple more wins on their resume. So, yeah, I was thinking the other night um, after the game, you know, obviously the record's five and five, but your biggest margin of loss was a 28 to six loss against Antwerp. A 10 to no team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 12, nothing to Patrick Henry, 14, six to Crestview. Um, uh, you I mean, you go on on a one point loss to, to Edgerton. Um, six point loss or was it six point loss to Tenora? I think yeah, yeah. pretty close. I mean, still so, very easily could have been, Seven and three, eight and two. I mean, and when, and if, when you want to play your best look, ball, you want to play at the end of the season. And Wayne Trace is doing that. Yeah, yeah. Big win, you know, a couple weeks ago, or week nine against Ayersville, and then finish up with winning at Paulding. Yeah, I mean, I think they're clicking right now. Um, and they they traveled to Ashland to take on uh, the other Crestview. So, um, I do. I want to get some final thoughts about the polling. Yeah, go ahead. You know, this is the last time we're probably going to talk about them um, football-wise. So, um, you know, talking to Coach Menzies, we talked about, you know, how we talked to him for a half hour after the live. We posted it live. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, you know, I'm the type of guy we play the final whistle. You know, we play till there's zeros on that clock. Yeah. And – you know, there's some people that don't like that. You know, some people will just, you know, you're down this much, just hand the ball off and run and let the clock die out. Um, and he didn't do that last week against Antwerp. Uh, he took some shots with Colt Hunt and uh, Blake Roanhouse. A uh, couple late scores. If you had Blake Roanhouse and Colt Hunt in fantasy, you know, you, you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't stop that. You know, he had Dawson Lamb chucking the ball around there late in the, uh, you know, last drive. So, that's one thing, you know, that, that's got you. You got to play till all four quarters, and that's 
that's what he's trying to establish. And I think you do stuff like that. I mean, that shows the boys that we're not just going to hand the ball off and fold. All right, you got to keep playing until there's zeros on the clock. Now, some mm-hmm. people don't like that. You know, you're down this much, just hand the ball off, and let's get it over with, injury-free. But I think it's okay. I thought it was okay the other night. And, um, you know, Wayne Trace was up 21-0. They, they take Kyle Soler out of the game, which I thought was really smart. Um, don't risk an injury there. They put Kale Winans in a quarterback. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, he made some nice plays. And then, you know, at first I kind of thought, why kick the field goal? But then I thought, you know what? That's not a bad move because you haven't kicked much all year. Um, you've you've changed your kicker up a little bit. Now, Kale's been the kicker the last couple weeks. Um, you might need that come this Friday or maybe, you know, the, the Friday after. You might need a field goal. And so I think that's all right game situation to, to throw that three up or at least try it, you know what I mean? So um, what did you think of that? Yeah, I thought, you know, and what if you need that in the coming weeks? Yeah. You just never know. So that, that's how you build trust in the guys. The <clears throat> coach calls a field goal unit out. You know, you don't have guys on the sidelines or guys, you know, protecting for Kale to kick the field goal, wondering, Coach, is this the right decision? You know, this pumps the belief in those boys for, in, as your kicker. It's a kicking game as well. Yeah. I mean, so then on the flip of that, I had no problem with, you know, Coach Menzi calling timeouts and, trying to push the ball down the field and score at the end. I mean, he said that's what he does. And to me, I thought, well, you know, why, why not? Wayne Trace just kind of played it out and and kicked a field goal. So why not try to go score? I mean, I got, I've got, i got – I had no problem with it either way. I know, I know he brought it up last week that some people were upset he did it over in Antwerp. But you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, but, and the, the, these boys – Here's my philosophy is, you know, these boys practice, you know, you ask a lot of them uh, before a game, the whole week leading up to a game. Now, why wouldn't you finish the game? You know, you did all that work and prep, you know, you play the full game. You play to that, you know, the final zeros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, again, thought it was a good game. I thought it was – I thought everybody, you know – kept their emotions in check for the most part. There were a couple, especially early, it got a little chippy, I thought, but I expect that. That's what you expected, yeah. Um, But it was, I thought, you know, both teams respect the heck out of each other, and at the end of the day, they shook hands and went about their business, so. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, we talked about the friendly rivalry. I, I think the rivalry has changed in ways that, you know, kids, Okay, you want to beat the crap out of them when you're playing them. Mm-hmm. Okay, but come next week, you know, you assume there's some Paulding kids that are gonna, you know, want want Wayne Trace to do well. You know, they're you're in your conference, they're in your county, and uh, you know, you, we got Vantage kids going to school with them at Vantage, so yeah. you know, they're best friends over there. So that's to be expected. Um, yeah, and with the, you know, with social media now, you know, you know more of them. For sure. And that's what makes the rivalry unique. You know, you want to beat the crap out of them, but at the end of the day, you know, some of my best friends go are from Wayne Trace. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, totally get it. That's a good point. <clears throat> um, 
Let's move on. Let's talk about some other games Friday night. Um, obviously, Ayersville got a win. Uh, Tenor gets a win, and Antwerp finishes 10-0. and um, Beat Edgerton 39 nothing, I believe. Is that what I saw? Yeah, and yeah. I heard yeah. Corey Everett's got hurt. So Did he? Yeah, so mm. he got hurt early, which that, that, you know we talk about Edgerton. You know the first person you bring up is Corey Everett. So you hope that he's back for the playoffs this week. Uh, that you don't want to see that week ten. No, no, especially a senior and your season's still going on, and that's tough. That's a tough situation there. Um, so, but congrats to Antwerp. Yeah, on the flip, that's what I was, was going to say. On the flip side, congratulations to Antwerp finishing ten and zero and and uh, finishing off their their schedule. And here they go, ready for the playoffs. And that that's that's no easy place to play. And you go, with, you know, you shut them out thirty nine nothing. I know, you know, injuries. You know, Corey being out that did probably did play some factor into it. But still, going over to Edgerton's tough, no matter what. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game that I kept my eye on on Friday night, and uh, I don't know if you kept your eye on it because you were at the game, but I had a lot of free time. The Patrick Henry Patriots. Yes. I told you on a couple podcasts ago, Patrick Henry always beats a team. No, you just can't take a mic. You did. You did. And I was over watching your sister's volleyball game over at Ottaville a few weeks ago. And I told your dad that same thing. I said, I think Peyton's right. I think he's on to something. I think uh, they get one of these. And he's like, nah, I don't know. And, uh, yeah, they. I mean, they got her done. Man, they, and it started with the Week 9 win, the way they put it to Delta. Yeah. Delta's not a bad team either. PH, Coach I, they just keep doing what they do over there. <laughs> Here they come with all the momentum, baby. All they go, yep. And uh, yeah, that's a team you can't overlook. And if you're in the playoffs, I don't know, I can't remember what seed they got, but uh, yep. Yeah, we're uh, so again, we're recording this Sunday night. I'll be honest with you, I've looked at some of the regions. Um, I can't remember the exact seeds. <coughs> this I've episode, seen, I've seen so many brackets. Yeah. In the past 24 hours, it's, I can't remember them all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this episode isn't going to air um, until tomorrow. And because, you know, we're going to have – I'll go ahead and say it, Peyton. You want to – we want to announce it? We're gonna, yeah, go ahead. We're going to have Sean Gerber on tomorrow, um, tomorrow evening, Monday evening. And we're going to break down um, about six different divisions between – or regions between Division Four and Division Seven. So, um We'll definitely break some more of that down and look at, you know, go more in depth of each region and, and some teams in our area as the playoffs get started. So, yeah. I have, so, Sean's going to drop some nuggets and he always does and studies that stuff. So, yep. Uh, he just didn't work out to where he could jump on with us this evening. Worked out a little better for us to do it this evening. So, kind of. Kind of doing a two-parter here, but putting it all in one one episode. And a game that shocked me on Friday night, the score of uh, the Defiance Bulldogs and the Walpock uh, Indians. Mm-hmm. Defiance traveled to Walpock and only lost 15 nothing. Yeah. Walpock, we know how good Walpock is. So. Beat Van Wert. Yep. Yeah. So, so 
the dogs, man. I, uh, Coach Cooper's doing a heck of a job over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about that Mac game, Mary Local Coldwater. Yeah. I, I, What'd you think of that? That was that's that's a shock. Now I heard I I knew Coldwater was down their their quarterback, and you said you heard they were down to their third string, maybe. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard on one of the WSM videos that I was watching today. Okay. So, so again, we don't know of that to be hundred percent true, but um, way it sounds, they were down quarterbacks, and Murray Local gets the win, thirty-five nothing. Um, Coach Ryan Jerome. Uh, was at the game, and the uh, he told me the fifty-fifty was. I think you won, Peyton. Uh, the fifty-fifty was eleven thousand six hundred. So I think you had right around the twelve mark. I think. I got I think, that. I think you said twelve-five. That's still nuts. That's still I think nuts. I think Jeff went a little higher, and I split you at thirteen something. So yeah, you were you were closer. And that so, so does that mean I get it or sure yeah you win sweet <laughs> we'll give you a bonus point this week so yeah yep. high school football that I mean that's all I really got mm-hmm. uh, unless you got anything nope I'm good I really want to dive into this Buckeye game go ahead take away Buckeyes win fifty four ten against a team you know that everyone respects in the Big Ten Iowa. He, when you play Iowa, you know it's going to be, it's going to be an ugly game. That's just how they want to play, and it was ugly to start the game early. Um, really couldn't get the run game going. They really, they really did uh, make us struggle on offense. Uh, they brought pressure. That's the most uh, pressure I think C.J. Stroud probably has seen all year. And uh, you know, as at the game, and <coughs> while I was sitting there, I was like, man, Stroud is off. He, this is the worst game he's played all year. He sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then when I went back to rewatch the game today, he's 20 of 30 for 286, four touchdowns and a pick. And if you watch the replay of the pick, the ball hit the ground. But give it to him. Who cares? Um, but, after, yeah, after watching that, that's just how freaking spoiled we are watching this guy <coughs> chuck the ball around week yeah, in, week man. out. And, you know, JSN came back. He only had one catch. I think he was on a pitch count, Ryan Day said. so. Well, to follow that up, I don't know if you saw it from where you were sitting, but we targeted him on that. I think it was there in the second It was on the second quarter. It was, he was running like a slot corner. Yeah, route. and he, he, to me on TV, it looked like he came up uh, favoring that hamstring a little bit. Yeah, I just don't know how healthy he is, but Marvin Harrison's a freak. Yeah. And then you also got uh, Maserati Mitch gets a touchdown. So Absolutely. You know, Ohio State covers and they hit the over themselves. So we can really sit back and say, man, we suck today. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you go back and you look at that score and know the opponent you played across the field and you see that it was – uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and you beat them 54-10. That's the most points Iowa has given up in a Kirk Ferentz, uh, on a Kirk Ferentz team. He's been there for 25 years. Yeah. That's impressive. So, you know, want to clean up. I know we talked about it. You know, you want to come out of the bye looking a little more crisp. 
But mm-hmm. uh, oh well, I think I think you've set the groundwork the way you came out in that second half to go uh, put it to the Nittany Lions next next Saturday on Big Noon. Yep. Um, I thought kind of the same thing. I thought coming out of the bye week we'd be maybe a little sharper, but we talked about this off the air before we when we came on today um, this evening. You know, I think you get a little bit of both that. I think you, you it's a chance to clean things up, but at the same time, I think just getting back in the game rhythm, having a week off, uh, sometimes it isn't as sharp as what you want it to be maybe. So um, I, you could spin that either way. Um, bottom line is it was a little lethargic the first half. Um, I was a little disappointed in the lack of the run game. Um, I didn't feel like we tried to run enough. And then we did run it. It was just mediocre at best. Um, in the first half, I'm talking. Second half, it got better. Um, I don't know. I, it's just, again, I don't know. Another team you know you're probably better than. And you know their offense isn't good. And, you know, so maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But, you, again, you get to win 54-10, and we're sitting here, you know, splitting hairs trying to figure out what's going wrong. Um, you know, Nitpicking. I, Nitpicking. Yeah. That's what I called Dave Price after the game. And I was like, man, CJ sucked today. I mean, this is before I rewatched it. He yeah. goes, you're a spoiled Ohio State fan. We won by 44. Shut up. <laughs> He's got a point. Yeah, I know. He's got a point. So, I still think uh, he's like him. It's it's the battle between him and Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman. So, yep. I I still think that he could bring that back to Columbus. So, so what was your weekend like? You had a had a few friends uh, come down for the weekend. I saw your mom and dad and Luke and. Couple of his buddies came down for the weekend. Yeah, Luke and Luke and Kobe sat in the student section, uh, so you know they got to experience that. They had a blast. Tail, went, to, went to tailgate with uh, Colby again. So shout out to Cheese to setting that up again. Mom and Dad came down. So yeah, it was an awesome weekend. It was it was a blast. We had fun. So how to how to take a nap? We we I uh, I'll be honest. My first alarm got. Uh, went off at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> I was out of the shower by six and ready to go. So that's the bad part about these nooners. That's an early morning. Yeah. So you went so, back and got a nap. I went. I absolutely after after the game about yeah three thirty went back here and uh, dozed off watching the UCLA Oregon game. Okay. So yep, we're enjoy these. Uh, we, we we're just trying to enjoy these Saturdays. What we have left. Sorry, yeah, we're we me and my buddies were talking. You know, we got two more left after, you know, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yesterday came and gone. So that I mean, that's all we got. Two more left. Yep. Um. So, did you did you spend time with the fam, or did they kind of split after the game was over? Well, no, uh, we. Uh, you know, they came to Colby's tailgate before the game. Yeah. Got to spend time with them. And then after the game, we helped tear, you know, help Colby with the, you know, the tents and everything. And uh, they, they came back to my dorm. You know, Luke and Kobe wanted to see the dorm. And Luke says, you pay how much to live here? 
you know, you know how Luke is. He likes his big. I want to share it with anybody. And yeah, you pay how much to live here? I'm just gonna live at home. Of course you will, Luke. <laughs> Mom waits waits on you hand and foot. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, yep, they got to come, and then that's when they got out. They asked me if I uh, want to go eat supper with them, and I was just really wanting a nap at that point. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, I'll be honest with you, you know, watched the Buckeye game and then had the the last wedding of these three in a row here. So, um, got around for the wedding. It started at 430. Um, so basically after the Buckeye game, I was in the shower getting dressed, you know, ready to roll. So, um, had a, had a great time. It was a great evening. Um, good, great friends. Yeah. I mean, catching up with people got to talk to BFK. BFK, um, give a shout out to BFK, <laughs> the Wayne Trace, Matt Combs, <laughs> in the same building in one night. Oh man! So yeah, they <laughs> it was a good time, um, and then you know ended a little earlier, so uh, hit a bar afterwards and um, spent a lot of time with Dave and oh man, Davidson. Oh man, he's he's the life of the party, man. He he might be the goofiest guy. <laughs> it was on another level for sure. Uh, <laughs> but man, we had a great time. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, got congratulations to, to Lindsay and her. I don't know who she got married to, but Jake, Lindsay, Jake, Jake Seacander is her last name. Okay. Um. Yeah, congratulations to them. It was it was it was great. It was fun and. uh uh, beautiful venue. It was uh, up in Fort Wayne off of Carroll Road and, um, you know, kind of north Fort Wayne, Huntertown area. So beautiful venue. Um, was Matt Combs getting down on the dance floor? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, we, boy. We were out there shaking our tail feather. <laughs> uh, he went all, all night. He kept saying, I just want to hear some Nelly. I want to hear some Nelly. And they're towards Nelly. The- Nelly. Oh yeah, he he's a Nelly guy. He likes Nelly. Fifty-seven <laughs> year old Matt Combs loves Nelly. I think uh, fifty-seven Matt fifty-seven year old Matt Combs straight out of Texas. Yeah, he, he likes Nelly. Um, Nelly's one of those artists that's just like generational, though. I think. I mean, what it, I, I you know, what what did he say about his daughter getting married on the day that the Buckeyes play? Um. So originally, this was supposed to be our bye week, right? Okay. Uh, we were initially like a year ago, year or so ago, this was supposed to be our bye week. And he told her, he said, you better get married on the bye week. And so I think she had every intention of doing that. And then when they kind of redid the schedule, um, it was supposed to be flipped. You know, we were supposed to play Iowa last week, bye week this week, I think is how it was. But anyway, this ended up not being the bye week. And so I remember when I got the invitation back in July or August, whatever it was, I looked to see who we played and I was like, we play Iowa. Cause he had told me the whole time it's our bye week And so I texted him like clear back in. And I was like, Hey, we play Iowa that day. And he's like, no. And he's like, by God, you're right. And he, he was upset. So then after that, he's like, 
I just hope we play a noon game. That way I can catch some of it. So, at least that paid off for him. So, it ended no. up working out. It ended up working out. He he didn't mind it. Not meaning to change the subject on, but on Friday night, we went to the couple bars and uh, I tell you what, there was a couple Iowa, there's a couple groups of Iowa fans. Mm-hmm. And I have a I have a great amount of respect for the program of Iowa. I, I root for them any chance I can. And uh, so, you know, they're about dudes like 50 to 60 years old, you know, sitting in a college bar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how how'd you find this place? Anyways, you know, you know, you're in Columbus, you're bad. You know, what did you expect? He goes, well, we didn't expect to be this bad this year. We went to the Big Ten Championship last year. And, uh, you know, Iowa fans aren't really settled on uh, Kirk Ferentz anymore. I thought he was beloved out there, but maybe it's just his uh, son, Brian, who's calling the offense that uh, they, they, they're going after his head. But uh, I, I've heard that. I've heard they're starting to get a little – Yeah. Uh, getting a little – you know, impatient, if you will, even though he's been there 25 years. years. But I think, I think they're more impatient with the son. Um, and, and, you know, Coach Jerome and I were talking yesterday and he said, I think the only way you get, he's, you know, he's not going to fire his son. So the only way you get rid of him is if you get rid of both of them. And maybe that's where it's coming from. Right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. So, but I, th- those fans might be the nicest fans in the world. They were super nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, th- you know this this place is awesome. It's it's clean. It's so, yeah. It was. Uh, I I love talking to other fans talking about you know, because you know we're a staple program. It's championship or bust every year. So yeah. how do they see success? That's what that's that was my first question I asked him. What did they say? He well, you know, beat Wisconsin, beat Minnesota. First of all. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, win in the West, and then get, getting the opportunity to play in a big bowl game, a New Year's Six, or you know, a bigger or a bigger one like the Citrus Bowl. So mm-hmm. that's how they see success. You know, way different than what we see. Yeah, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I could ever. Uh, it'd be hard to. It that, that, that's what I always try to. Because like, I was you know he was saying he goes, well, you know our pro teams in Iowa. Oh wait, we don't have one. It's mm-hmm. Iowa. The, the the state shuts down for Iowa Hawkeye football. And, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, the state still the Buckeyes trump the state of Ohio. I I think, in front of Cleveland or Cincinnati Bengals, I think it's Ohio State football, and then for sure. So. Other other places where there is pros, I I don't think you could say the same. But eh, maybe not. Like Minnesota, I think the Vikings trump. Yeah, yeah, I so, agree. Yep. Um, that, that's my uh, Buckeye rant for the day. I don't know if so, you had anything other. Nope, that's and other than other college football, I just didn't catch much because it was this. I was checking on my phone and, and stuff like that, but it was, you know, we were there to have a good time and, yeah. and we did and well, kept, that, kept checking the Yankee score and it's two nothing. And all of a sudden I checked again, it's five nothing. And so glad I wasn't watching that live because I had just been ticked. So um, Syracuse and Clemson though, that, that game, I, we kept checking our phones in the stadium for that one. Yeah. 
DJU gets set set down. So, yeah, and the, I mean, again, another good game. I really thought Syracuse was going to pull that out, but uh, I've seen that story too many times to believe they were going to pull it out. That Clemson plays a team close, mm-hmm. ends up winning late. Um, so, oh, what we were talking to Jeff last week on the pod, you know, how does how does Penn State see that Will Levis is at Kentucky? You know, and like Jeff said, you devote so much into a guy, it's hard to yank him. Mm-hmm. That take courage from Dabo for it took a lot to probably yank DJU. Yeah. So. Yep. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. But so as far as the rest of them, I mean, you you said you caught you a little nap. Did you catch anything late or? Yeah, just really the UCLA Oregon game a little bit, and uh, my, my college picks were awful. So, the scores. so, so let's go ahead and just apologize to our listeners. We kind of dropped the ball this week on college football. Yeah, you're 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 in the stadium. You're worried about one team. You really only get to see one team, or you know, two teams on the field. Um, I was really busy, so I'll be honest with you. I ain't got really much to comment on because I don't really know what happened. I saw scores, but I can't tell you what happened. Right. So, yeah, I can't go in depth. So, we're not going to spend much more time on it, tell you the truth. Nope. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the NFL today. um, What surprised you today? Um, I wasn't that invested today because the Bears didn't play. I was more invested in my fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals started out quick. That was yeah, the they did. My, the Buccaneers loss, that was – I didn't see that coming. And uh, the thing that ticks me off the most is Dak came back. I've been starting Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. And Dak came back, played okay. I mean, they won, so good for them, but not my fantasy. He only had one touchdown and only scored me like 12 points. While I have Daniel Jones sitting on my bench in a big game against Whitney, Wendy Price this week in a, the Fantasy Football League, and Daniel Jones is sitting on my bench with 25 points. So that uh, that, that hurt. Mm. And then the Brownies find a way to lose again. Yeah, shocker. I think they, they got screwed, uh, first of all. That was not – they did not jump to push them back. I don't know if you've seen that, but – Missed it. Yeah, I missed that. I had red zone on, I was bouncing all around, and then, I'll be honest with you, I kind of fell asleep on the couch about 3.45, and I woke up and it was like 4.20, and I was like, well, I just missed all the the end of the games there. So, the witching hour, that's the most important part. I know, I fell asleep right in the middle of it. Uh, so. The Jets, the Jets, don't look now, people, they're 5-2. and two. They're 5-2. and 4-0 on the road. Yep. That looked pretty good. Looked pretty good, but I know you and I talked last week. We both got Brees Hall, and I'm kind of uh, holding my breath a little bit here. Oh, man. uh, That that just shows you how good – if you draft well, you can build from the draft. Mm Mm-hmm. So, credit to the Jets. I mean, they have been a dumpster fire for years. Yep. Just just finished watching Kermit the Frog – Lay one down on the 49ers. Uh, we, we did not talk about that, though. What do you think about CMC in your division now? Oh, man. The rich get richer. Uh, I'd say so. <laughs> that, division, I, that division has me 
I have a lot of question marks in that division. I do too, because everybody's like right around five hundred right now. Um, but they're like, if you look at the roster on both sides of the ball, like I feel like every team is loaded, and the team that's probably the least loaded is Seattle, and they come up with a big win again today. Yeah. So. So now you're kind of looking, and maybe the Cardinals are the worst team in the division. And again, three and four. I mean, I don't know. I, I think the problem is initially when we came out with our, uh, you know, with our predictions at the beginning of the year, I told you that I thought maybe three teams in that division could get in. I don't know that that happens just because not only seven weeks in are they all right around 500, but they still have to play each other and they're just going to beat up on each other. That's my fear. Yeah. So yeah. maybe get two in and, and maybe, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think three get in, though. I think that's that's gone unless they all kind of turn around here and win all the games that are outside of the division, you know. <clears throat> but that, that division's wild. It's crazy. And then the McCaffrey trade, you know, that goes down. When did that go down? Thursday night? Thursday night during the game. Yeah. And so the dude even still got on the field. And I know it's pretty simple at running back. You know, you could go – Zone right, zone left, you know, toss, toss, sweep, whatever. Um, but this dude doesn't even know the playbook. I mean, just wait till, and then you got a mastermind like Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, orchestrating your offense. Uh, they, this could get nasty. They could get, this could get nasty. Just think, man, just think if they had Trey Lance. Uh, I, I mean, I like Jimmy G. Jimmy I like G. Jimmy G. Handle, but yeah, Trey Lance. As far as his, feet. They, they drafted Trey Lance. They know what Jimmy G can do. You know, they know yeah. that Jimmy G's not going to put you in a bad situation. But they drafted Trey Lance <laughs> to take the next step. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think of the the NFC West, man. I think it's up in the air right now. To be honest with you, especially the Cardinals. You know, with D Hop coming back. You don't know. I mean, Robbie Anderson, they just got Robbie Anderson, too, we talked about last week. Yeah. You don't know how long Hollywood Brown's out, the way it sounds. Um, offensively, I mean, they could get real nasty. Uh, the defense is still kind of young, but we talked about how, you know, most games the defense keeps them in there. See, you know, two pick sixes on Thursday night. I, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, I'm rooting for my Cardinals, but I think it could go. Anywhere, and the Rams haven't looked great, but we know the talent they got. So yeah, and they're like, I mean, they can go off any time. So yeah, I mean, it's up in the air, in my opinion. Yep. So, uh, getting ready to watch some Sunday night football. We've got Miami and Pittsburgh. My favorite thing about Sunday night football is Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Preach, brother. Gosh. She's kind of like Jennifer Aniston. She don't age. No. So. Gets a little hotter the older she gets. <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll say it. I don't care. Ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that wraps up a pretty good weekend. Anything else you want to cover before uh, we jump off here? Nope. Before we talk to Sean, no. There's nothing I really got, so. As far as our picks go, I think we could see a three-peat. Jeff Mormon. Uh, yeah. 
Holy yeah, moly. Wasn't wasn't consecutive, but still pretty good chance here. So uh good. I like talking to Jeff. We'd like to meet we'd like to talk to someone new, but Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh we're gonna get Sean on here right after this break. Made to Achieve Cleaning Service is looking for more clients in the Paulding and Defiance areas. They specialize in residential, business, and RV cleaning. They are insured. They provide all supplies and equipment. All you do is provide the mess. Their goal is to achieve your clean home dreams. Check them out on Facebook at Made to Achieve or their website at www.madetoachieve.com. Peyton, we're joined tonight again by the man and the myth. We won't call him the legend because he dubbed Kenny Saber that the last time. <laughs> that Sean, Gerber, Sean Gerber's with us again. Sean, how you doing? Good. I appreciate you inviting me once again. I know it's that time of year for the playoffs, and it's always exciting. You know, some teams are actually, you know, putting their equipment away and, you know, talking about next year. But, you know, there's a lot of teams in the year, I think like 448 teams that have the opportunity to make the playoffs. So it's a pretty exciting time of the year. Absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and start uh, in division, or yeah, Division Four, Region Fourteen. Uh, let's talk about some of the matchups there, and let's let's just start with the Van Wert Cougars. Um, their matchup with Wasion. What what do you really know about this game? Or yeah, you know the thing that I, I my heart goes out to the Van Wert Cougars, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, they're one point away from being ten and zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I think we all seen that game, you know, uh, the ending. I mean, it kind of made social media and type things. And then if you go a year ago in 2021, they only lost by a touchdown to St. Mary's, you know. So, you know, a couple seasons, it's that close to being 10-0. But a great season, you know, ended up being runners-up in the WL, finishing 9-1 behind Walpock. But, you know, they actually drew with Wasion in kind of an interesting matchup, in my opinion, because these two teams are familiar with each other. They played last year in Week 12, which I think Van Wert beat Wasion something like 53-20 to 20 a year ago. And so they're very familiar with each other. Um, I think Wasion's coming off a tough loss. Am I right in saying that? Yes. Uh, yeah. I think Wasion lost to Brian in Week 10. You yeah, know, they did. 21 to 7. So they come off a, a, a tough loss, you know. And so Wasion kind of dropped down a little bit and, and created this matchup of 6 and 11. So two teams that are familiar with each other. The thing about Van Wert is, boy, did they put up points. You know, they put out some incredible points this season. I, I think, what, St. Mary's, they put up 70. And Kenton, they put up 77. You know, I think they score the fifth highest scoring football team, regardless of division in Ohio at 47.2 points per game. So for Wasion, it's really, you know, coming off a tough loss last week. And then I think, you know, really going to have to buckle down against this Cougar offense. Yeah. <clears throat> With talking about Van Wert, the, the, the trip that Wasion's going to make, you know, there's other teams in this region. Uh, we talked about Napoleon Glenville. You know, they're traveling over you know, <laughs> insane amount of time. So this is pretty a close matchup in, you know, the teams are familiar with each other, like you said, Sean. Yeah, they are. And, you know, you were talking about travel times, and we'll get to that. You know, we were talking just a little bit before we went on, and I don't understand these regions, some of these travels that, you know, these regions have gotten so large, as you just mentioned. You know, I was reading somewhere where Defiance and was going to Cloverleaf. That's like two hours and 45 minutes. And, 
you know, I had to look up Ashland Crestview, you know, with Wayne Trace, and we'll talk about that as well. And that's over two hour drive. So there's a lot of drives and a lot of teams that, you know, it's kind of out of our coverage area. So it makes it very difficult to kind of talk about and type things. But, you know, uh, the Cougars, as you mentioned, Wauseon, you know, very familiar with each other. And that travel, you know, is not as far for Wauseon to Van Wert. But, you know, the thing is, you know, I think for Wauseon, they're really going to have to get off to a good start in that football game, you know, and try to, you know, get up on Van Wert, try to make them play from behind a little bit. But, you know, stopping that Van Wert offense uh, with Pratt, you know, he's just been outstanding this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Real quick, though, just just looking here, you know, we talked, you got Napoleon, the 16 seed, wow. going to Glenville, the one. You've got uh, Brian, the 13 seed, going to Elyria Catholic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- those are some some big travel times. So Yeah, you know, and you mentioned Brian. I know Brian's kind of a hot team. You know, they, you know, they won three straight, and we just mentioned, you know, Brian beating Wauseon, um in uh, week 10, 21 to 7, but – you know, as a team that I've been really impressed with, Brian, because they kind of started out, you know, they lost to Archbold and Delta kind of middle in the season, but then they, you know, came on strong, beating Evergreen, Swanton, and Wauseon in weeks 8, 9, and 10. So, you know, they by doing so, they played themselves to be a 13 seed. And then Napoleon in week 10, a big win against Bowling Green, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for them, it gets them in the playoffs. But as you mentioned, we kind of talked about Glenville. You know, Glenville's made the news because uh, Ted Ginn Sr., they kind of got put on probation for, I think, about three years. But this Glenville team, I'm kind of curious about because when you look at their numbers, I mean, they only give up 35 points all season, you know. And the yeah. last six games, I think they shut out every team in their conference, six consecutive shutouts. So when you look at their numbers, you know, they're 9-0. and They're the number one seed. And uh, I'm curious to just how good they are. So that maybe they're the team to beat in this region. Looking through the, the this region, Sean, do you see like any upsets? And I'm talking like a, a 12 to 16 seed. I mean, not to make any bold predictions, but, you know, somebody you know, around yeah. or- you, know you, you got a good call on that. And I just didn't see it. You know, a lot of times you look at eight, nine, you know, mm-hmm. when you're doing your, Let's just talk bracketology for NCAA. You know, you're probably going to pick a couple nines over eight. Yeah. You know, a seven and a ten. You, you know, you'll see a ten beat a seven. Those are those are a lot of coin toss games. You know, when they went to sixteen seeds, um, I just don't see it. You know, when I take a look, because when I look at the teams, and I'm not trying to take away from the teams that are lower, you just don't look at their schedule and see that quality that big upset you know they have on their schedule you know or something that you know you would think because when you're the one through you know six one through five you're a pretty good football team you know what i mean you've you've had a very much a success you're good offensively you're good defensively so it's always tough you know when you go to 16 teams for those lower teams to make that upset not to say it doesn't happen because we see it but i don't know if i see it in this region nothing that sticks out at me yeah Let's move on from there. Let's go to uh, maybe the toughest region. Wow. Uh, <laughs> state of Ohio, I think. Let's go to that region 18, Division 5. Uh, let's start with number one seed, Liberty Center, and 16 seed, Port Clinton. You know, okay, first of all, this region here, 18, as you mentioned, uh, if anyone has an opportunity to take a look, you know, you got to remember Archibald, Liberty Center, Tenora, and I believe Delta. We're all in region 22 last year and they all moved to 18. Yeah. 
And then, you know, you had cold water move into this as well. And this region just, you know, in my opinion, is one of the toughest, as you mentioned. You have a, I think, a six and four team. I think the only six and four team in the state of Ohio didn't make the playoffs and not Seago, and they were in 17th position. And I, I think that's just to show how tough this region is. But um, I think you went not seen Liberty Center play this year, didn't you? I did, yeah. I watched them against Archbold. And, you know, when you, you look at Liberty Center, and you, you probably, whether you agree with me, I think they've only given up like 61 points all season. And they, I, I was looking at their schedule one day, and they had four shutouts. But when you look at the shutouts, like Tenora, Archbold, Otsego, and I know the Archbold game was a game you went to. So, you know, that's pretty impressive when you can play that type of schedule and you have four shutouts against some quality opponents. Mm-hmm. But looking I, at that, looking at that region, Sean, I think the the game of the week this week is probably going to be that Liberty Benton Archbold game. You know, I would agree with you. You know, it kind of surprised me. You know, you know, week ten. You know, we're sitting there and you know scores are coming in and we're taking a look. And I just thought there was a lot of games that I mean, you mean a lot of quality teams playing rivals. You know. But I was surprised that, you know, Patrick Henry beat Archibald, you know, 20 to 14. I thought that's, that was a little surprising to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking away from Patrick Henry at all. They got a great team. But that was a big win for Patrick Henry. But, you know, it made me wonder, dropped Archibald down to eighth, as you mentioned, now playing Liberty Benton. So that's a good matchup, I believe. You know, you know how's Archibald going to recover? You know, how are they going to come back from that loss in week 10? And, I, you know, you always want to win week 10 have that momentum going in the playoffs. You don't want to have a kind of a question mark as you're entering. And then kind of like looking ahead, Sean, like if they get past the Eagles, we get a Liberty center Archbold matchup round two, and we know how that that <laughs> rivalry could shift any, any way. You know, Archbold was supposed to win that game last year in the playoffs, and uh, LC walked it off on a field goal. So and you're right on that. You know, it's always interesting when those two, you know, get together. I think, as you mentioned, I think that was three point difference. It was like 38, 35, you know, it was kind of a high scoring game. And, you know, it was a tough loss for Archbold. And then um, I believe then Liberty Saint lost the next week against Carey, who ended up being the state champion in that region, in that division. But yeah, you're right. That's going to, that'd be a really interesting matchup. It would be one I think people would look forward to. And it would be a great game because it, for us, it's not the drive and we could be able to go watch, you know. So I think that would be a great matchup, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to Otsego. Uh, look at their schedule and look at those four losses. You mentioned the six and four, you know, getting left out as a 17. Um, I'm going to throw this out there to you. Do you think like strength of schedule should be a factor in these computer points somehow? Boy, you know. Not to put you on the spot here. This just Well, you know, I, I don't – it's kind of interesting because this is kind of the thing, you know, this is our second year. And I tend to just – when we sit here and talk, I, I actually just look at the last two years because in 2020 was the COVID year and mm-hmm. everybody made the playoffs, you know. And that was a tough year because, you know, if I was to talk to Peyton and we were to talk about that year, I think their team polling had they played a regular schedule and it would have been right. They would have had more wins, I, in my yeah. opinion. So I kind of don't look at that year 2020. I just look at the last two years. And then when I look at the last two years, you know, you remember when they, they the playoffs previously, you know, you had to win seven or eight games to have a chance to make the playoffs. You know, so strength of schedule, your non-league played a factor. Yeah. 
Well, then, you know, with them taking 16 teams, you know, we kind of thought, well, maybe people will just be worried about the win and maybe not play the tough schedule, the non-league games, you know, type things. So um, it just shows you that a six win could possibly not allow you in the playoffs. But then the flip side of that is you look at someone like St. Henry in Division 7, they only had two wins and they made the playoffs. So I don't know yet what that strength of schedule. I think a lot of it just depends on the region you're in. And it just so happened this region was loaded. It's just, it's it's unfortunate though. I mean, because you look at Otsego's losses, it's nine nothing to Liberty Center, twenty one seven to Elmwood, twenty eight twenty six to Genoa, and then forty two to seven week ten here to uh, Eastwood. And that's I mean to me that uh, I don't know what happened there week ten. Obviously Eastwood's a, a good team, but right all those other games. I mean you're right in there so. But, you know, the other thing I look at sometimes, and maybe it gets overrated, you know, you talk about a quality win, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at their schedule and you look at their games, I mean, they're probably looking at that. Um, I think it was the Genoa game that you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, Genoa was about six and four, and they lost by two. A game they probably needed to win, you know yeah. what I mean? You got you definitely anymore got to, you know, you got to have that one signature win, I think, to put you up to ensure that you get in the playoffs because the second level points are so huge. Yeah. Sean, my last question about the division five region 18, a team that you've seen many times this year, the Tenora Rams, uh, they're, they're coming in winning three straight and that's kind of like that 10 seed that can upset that one seed. You know, do you think the Rambos could get it done? And if I was to put any team, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause even you asked me on the other one, which team, uh, you know, upset alert, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, like they do on game day, you know, that would be the one that it would be definitely, uh, Tenora, you know, they come in, you know, defeated Edgerton pretty solidly, you know, Hicksville, same, you know, winning 54 to seven, as you mentioned, that would probably be my upset in this region, the 10 beating the seven. And I don't know, Highland very well, you know. I, you know, I, you know. I'm not saying trying to t- disrespect them in any way, but that would be the my upset alert is uh, Tenora beating Highland, a ten beating a seven, just because the other thing with Tenora, they're so battle tested. They've been in the playoffs, you know, so many years. You know, they, they, their kids are used to it. They understand. You know, I think experience plays a huge part. And when you look at Tenora, you know, they got some quality wins. They beat LCC in week three. You know, I thought that was impressive. And they beat Wauseon in week two. So, you know, they had maybe a couple letdowns, but they do have those quality wins that we talked about. So, you know, a team, I think, you know, had a little controversy. They got that. And I think they got that behind them. And they won three straight, as you mentioned. So that's kind of my upset alert game in that region. Okay. Got any more about that, Peyton? Any more 18? Sean, you got anything to add about that region? No, you know, the, the thing with that region, I mean, that probably we, if you were to ask sorry, me. Sorry to interrupt you, but we could talk about that region for an hour. Obviously. Yeah, you know, the only things I really, when I looked at that region, you know, it was kind of a show. In the season to the end, you know, OG, you know, that's uncharacteristic for them to finish two and eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've been so good, you know, last year. They lost to Kirtland in the state semis. You know, that was a team that kind of surprised me. You know, uh, Willard was a team we talked about, you know, because that's Coach Bill Speller. You know, they yeah. started out four and one, but then finished uh, one and four, finished the season five and five, you know. So that was, you know, when you when I look at some of these numbers and things that stick out at me, you know, I was really rooting for Coach Speller, you know what I mean? And I think you were too. Yeah. You know, and just uh, maybe had a one game that was a tough loss. I think, again, you were talking about 
Uh, Seagull at six and four. They finished five and five. One more game, you know, victory could have put uh, bolstered them up into that top 16 as well. So, you know, and the thing about uh, Seagull, I think they were the number one seed in this region a year ago. So, you know, kind of tough this year to miss it. So, but I, I think Liberty Center by far, you know, um, is probably. All, just because their defense, you know, we were talking about just giving up 61 points all season. They just seem to have got things going this year. So it's definitely going to be a tough region. I think last year, what, Versailles was the Division Five champ last season. So I think they're six this year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes out on top in this, not only this region, but also this division. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Region 22 and Division 6. Um, you've got teams in our area, but let's just talk real quick. We've got Columbus Grove, um, Ottawa Hills a little bit in our region, Patrick Henry, and Wayne Trace down there at, at 15. Let's go ahead and talk about that one. Uh, what game really jumps out at you here in this region, Sean? You know, I th- this is a region that if you was to say, again, um, I think Patrick Henry, that would be a 10 over a 7. That would be an upset alert just because Patrick Henry's we just talked about coming off a big win. You know, so I'm looking at that one over a 7. Ottawa Hills, that would be a game I would put on, you know, upset alert. I don't I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that something you think? Uh, I would agree oh, with that, I, especially with Coach Benselman and what he does there. So that yeah. would be the one that jumps out at me, you know, coming off a big win. You know, Patrick Henry's come off actually two big ones. They beat Delta in week nine and you know, Archbold in week 10. You know, that would be a 10 beating a seven. That would be the my upset alert. Um, uh, when you look at this region, and that's what I was sharing with you earlier, um, Archbold, Liberty Center, and Tenor, some of those teams that have been in this region for years, you know, moved up. So, but Cary, wow, what have they been doing? You know, the last few years is just really phenomenal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they were state champs last year. Uh, they won this division they won division six i believe they beat Coldwater something like 26 to 14 you know but carrie's been on a roll you know last three years it's been incredible i think they're like 22 and one over the last two seasons or something like that some ridiculous record so yeah they've just been playing very very well so i i think carrie's probably the favorite in this region uh, and i would probably my upset alert would probably be patrick henry over out of ottawa hills it's just so hard when you look at teams that are you know 10 and 0 9 and 1 8 and 2 it's just tough you know for a lower seed team to to upset one of these but it's not the thing is it's possible and wayne trace is one of those you know as a 15 you're probably going to ask me about you know wayne trace is a team playing well as a 15 you know, they've won their last three as well. Signature win over Ayersville in week nine. Um, their defense has been very, very good, you know, giving up 15.4 points a game. So, you know, I don't know much about Ashland Crestview. I was just looking at their stuff here a few minutes ago, trying to get a read on them. But for Wayne Trace, you know, it's going to be offensively. You know, I think defensively they can play with anyone. You know, last three games they've been averaging about 27 points a game. But for Wayne Trace, they got to get off to a good start. And then, you know, the thing about being in those top seeds, the pressure's on you. You know, if the lower seeds realize that the pressure isn't on them, they got nothing to lose and can get off to a good start, anything can happen. That's what I was going to touch on the Raiders, Sean. Um, you know, I'm looking at Crestview Ashland, and they're giving, I mean, they're scoring 37 points per game, and Wayne Trace is only allowing 15. 
And I think you could put Wayne Trace's defense against anybody. And you know, only holding Antwerp to 28, that's the most points they've given up all year. And I agree. And, and the thing is, and here's the, the thing with me, I don't know. You know, Wayne Trace plays a 3-5. You know, have they went against a tight defense like Wayne Trace? You know, have they seen something familiar? You know, that's always a big thing. And, you know, I really don't know much about Aslan Crestview to look at the matchup. Sometimes there's, you know, as a team, you know, the matchup, you know, doesn't fit your personnel well. That I don't know. But I really believe the big thing for Wayne Trace is, you know, the games that they've won these last three, as I mentioned, they've been able to score and they've been able to move the ball. You know, it very much helps your defense. So for Wayne Trace, it's definitely going to be offensively if they can put some things together. And like I said, you know, just, you know, you want to just have it, put yourself in a situation, you know, when you go in the locker room at halftime, that you're, you know, you got an opportunity and anything can happen because there's really no pressure. And there's usually 115 or 116 that upsets a one or a two. You know, there's usually there's not like 10 of them, you know, but there's usually one and you want to be that one. Yeah. <clears throat> Sean, do you know much about uh, Black River who's going to travel to Grove uh, Friday night? You know, I don't. And I, I was looking at Black River. The thing that I noticed, I think they've won like six games in a row. But, okay. you know, I asked somebody about Grove earlier in the season, and they said they're playing at a different level. You know, I, they're just playing mad, they said. You know, after that loss to Allen East, and you think about it, that loss was only seven. I mean, it's seven to zero. Mm-hmm. And that's all that kept Grove from winning the Northwest Conference. You know, Allen East won it outright. And after that game, you know, you know, Columbus Grove went on a tear, you know, one, I, well, I guess winning five straight, I think I said six, but winning five straight games. And, you know, I, Columbus Grove's a very good team. You know, they're used to being in the playoffs. They've had a lot of success. They're well coached. Um, you know, I, I just I looked at Black River's schedule and I looked at their wins, you know, and, you know, yeah, they've won some games here in a row, but I don't know, you know, the quality opponents. So. You know, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's – I've got to go a step back. I think it's tough for anyone to win in the playoffs when you got a bus ride like Black River does. That's over a two-hour drive to Columbus Grove. So, yeah. you know, that's going to be a tough drive, and I think it's a tough situation for them to travel that distance. And then I think that's a very good Grove team under the, under the guidance of Andy Schaefer. But, that's, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, when you take a look at these regions, I, I, you know, it, it's always tough, you know, to win, take a trip like that and win on the road. And I think it's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah. As as like a coaching staff, uh, you know, what, what do you recommend? I, so, like, Peyton and I, we talked earlier this year when Archibald went to St. Henry, that was over a couple hours for them or right around two hours on a bus ride. And they stopped about halfway around Salina and, and got out and stretched with some bands and just moved around. I mean, do you think that benefits teams? Or do you think you know, get on the bus and go? No, I I would get on the bus and I'd stop. I, I, I That's just me. I think it's – you get stiff, you get tired, you know, whatever it may be. I, I think you keep the kids moving. I don't – I agree with that. I think you stop, you get them off, you know, use the restrooms, you know, whatever it may be you need to do it's always tough you know some people think well let's stop and eat you know i don't know if i'm real up with that but yet you do have to eat when you're talking two-hour trip you know getting Mm -hmm. the kids food so i think the more experience you have the kids have had experience in the playoffs i think it all that helps because eventually if you do make a run you're going to have a few trips 
Yeah. So that's what I get ready to share with you. The experience definitely helps. And the routines, the teams that have done it in the past follow the same routines. It seems to work. And so that's where a situation, you know, being consistently in the playoffs and consistently being in those situations helps because you know what's best for your kids and what to plan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Stopping, you know, I can remember back, I was only out of school for two years now, but playing in the Northwest Conference, you got hour, <laughs> hour and a half trips, and those seem long. So I couldn't imagine the two, two and a half hours just for uh, round one of the playoffs. Now, I understand <laughs> it for later, but, yeah, like we right. said, these regions are just ridiculous. They are. You know, Peyton, and I coached at Paulding, and I, we always, it was always tough for our kids to play, you know, going to Ada and, and – Allen East and those trips because it is a long time on a bus, you know, and it really is. It, even myself as a, a little bit taller type person to get stiff and being on the bus, it was just hard. You know, you didn't want to sleep, but you know, it was silent bus trips usually, and it was just never a good situation. So I would definitely get off the bus, and I think it's a great idea to stretch and keep your kids moving and trying to keep them, you know, up, you know, very upbeat. So I think it's a great idea, but you know, the. This region is going to be will be one of those that we'll take a look at, and like I said, Kerry's probably, in my opinion, probably the favorite, you know, to, to win this uh, region. But this is a brutal, brutal division overall, you know, because uh, you have Kirtland, Marion Local, and Marion Local is just a, a different bird, you know. And I don't know how to say that. So with Marion Local uh, dropping down from seven to six to win this division you know for carry it's going to be a challenge well while we're there let's go ahead and go to that region let's talk about division uh, six region 24 uh marion local got the one seat at 10 and 0 they defeated Coldwater the other night 35 to nothing <laughs> i know i know Coldwater's got some quarterbacks banged up the way it sounds and all that stuff but still i mean that you look at a game like that and you look at their their scores um, these guys are the real deal. You know, I I don't know what it is. I we talk about the MAC all the time. And I know people get tired of hearing it, and it, it gets frustrating. I think they had nine teams make the conference or make the playoffs. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I think nine. Yeah. The only one was Parkway. So nine out of ten. You know, New Knoxville doesn't have football. They only play basketball. But then you look at Marion Local. I don't know if I've ever remember a team, you know, in our area, and there's probably been, but. They beat three teams on their schedule who are nine and one. You know, they, they beat the WBL champ, Walpole Canetta, 21 7. They beat the Blanchard champion, Macomb. That's their only loss. They're nine and one. And then in week 10, they beat Coldwater yeah. for the championship, and they were nine and one. So when you look at the, the points, you know, the second level points that Marion Local put up this year because of that, you know, the, their quality wins. But, you know, then you look at their schedule, and there was only three games they gave up points. They gave up 30 <laughs> points all season. You know what I mean? And it's like when you do the math, well, 30 divided by 10, three points a game. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, that's what I'm interested to see is the, the defense. I mean, I want to watch Mary Local for sure, but, man, that defense sounds nasty. You know, I know people from Marion Local before the season. I told, you know, some of the coaches here, we were talking. I said, Marion Local tells me, good luck. You know, good luck scoring on us, you know. And first week, you know, Walpock scored seven. But after that, you know, the shutouts started coming. And they've shut out their last four opponents, you know. And that's just incredible. So, Marion Local, you know, is probably the favorite. But, 
you know, when you take a look, and I, I did this the other day just out of curiosity, Marion Local since 2000 has won 12 titles and three runner-ups. That's just incredible when you start looking at the, the numbers. That is incredible. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just a different bird when you're all over. So, and I feel sorry for Allen East, you know, because when you start to look at this region, you know, Marion Local, as I said, was a seven. They moved down to six. And then Versailles won last year the Division Five, and they moved to six. So you have two state previous state champions now in your region. Mm-hmm. So not only in your division, but in your region. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, that is incredible when you take a look at it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping this year that, you know, we always do the radio and type things. And I'm hoping to get to watch Marion Local play this year. Yeah. Uh, while we're there, let's talk about the Northwest Conference champions. Have you have you had a chance to uh, watch them? I have not. You know, the, the tough thing and. Peyton will understand this. Um, we used to watch more Northwest Conference when Paulding is one of our coverage teams yeah. was in the Northwest Conference. This year with only Crestview as a coverage team, I saw less of the Northwest Conference. Normally, you know, I see about, you know, a good half, a good portion of the team's play because of having two teams that were in the Northwest Conference. But now, with three of our coverage teams being in the Green Meadows, I did not get to see Allen East play. But, you know, from what I've been told, got a good running back, you know, a very good football team. You know, I, again, impressive win over Columbus Grove in, in week five, you know, winning seven to zero there. But, you know, it just, you know, I, I really don't know. You know, it's one of those teams that, you know, I never got the chance to watch, um, but they took care of business during the regular season. And, you know, put themselves in a situation to, to make a playoff run. From from the clips that I've seen of Allen East and, you know, a couple games that I got to watch on WSN, they still do what they do. They fly around, they spread the ball out, and they still hit really hard. They do what Allen East traditionally does. And, you know, it speaks that winning the NWC the way they did not having a loss, you know. So they're obviously doing something right, and they obviously, you know, setting themselves up for good success. Yeah, you know, it's something we could talk about, and I'd ask you, you know, Allen East has got turf, correct? Yep. And so, you know, being the top four seeds, you have the possibility of having opening round games, not just week one, but week two, you know, and you think sometimes how much of an advantage is that, you know, to, not only to play at home, but to play on turf. Yeah, I, I think it, it does have a lot of advantage. I mean, they're practicing on it every day. Yeah, you know, so, you know, we – we're, and that's the thing that's kind of tough when you guys kind of ask me. I haven't done the research. We sit and talk a lot of times on the radio and different among coaches, you know, what teams have turf. You know, that's kind of an advantage. You know, does that help you? You know, how much team speed? You know, so, you know, to have turf in the first two rounds and, I, and you know, when you're talking, you know, Division Six, you know, how much of an advantage is that? You know, how many teams that, you know, in these lower – uh, teams and ranked in these regions, you know, how many have them turf. So I would think that'd have to be a positive for Allen East. Yeah. Yeah. More than half of the Northwest conference went to turf. Now we got Ada, Allen East, Spencerville and uh, Delphus Jefferson now. So they're used to it. Yeah. And I, I you know, it used to be that week one, you know, you playing, are you playing on turf? You playing on grass, you know, is that team used to it? You know, they'll play all their games at home on turf and, so, I mean, that can be a factor at times, especially in these Division Six and Division Seven, because in the higher divisions, you're pretty much seeing uh, nothing but turf. Mm -hmm. So, 
let's move on to Division Seven, Region Twenty Six. Um, you've got the Antwerp Archers, number two in the region. You've got the Ayersville Pilot, number seven in the region. Um, and you've got the Edgerton Bulldogs, number eleven in that region. Let's go ahead and start with Antwerp. Uh, what do you think of this matchup coming up Friday night with Harden Northern? You know, I was just doing looking up, trying to find some articles on Harden Northern. You know, coached by Travis Reddick. You know, I really don't know much about Harden Northern. You know, I, I looked at their schedule. You know, the again, it's one of those things that they six and four, but the most wins of the team they defeated was Elgin, who had five wins. So you know, really don't have a you know that's you know one of those wins where you took off eight or nine a team that eight or nine wins. So you know, I, I think looking at it and looking at their schedule, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, last year, I think they lost opening round to Hopewell Loudon like forty nine thirteen. So you know, I think that's going to be a tough game for the Hard Northern uh, to defeat Antwerp. You know, especially traveling to Antwerp and you know this Antwerp team just takes care of business. I've never seen a team that you know, that they just do the right things. They, they have a business attitude that don't seem to get rattled. And I think by, you know, in 2020 winning their opening playoff game, turnaround last year, won their opening playoff, you know, game. I think they have a lot of experience and, and being at home, that's going to be a tough game for Harden Northern being a 15 seed to go to Antwerp and, and win. I just think it's going to be a tough challenge for them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> The Go game ahead. that I'm circling in this region, Sean, is that uh, 7-10 matchup against the Ayersville Pilots and the Delphus Jefferson Wildcats. They've played already this year, and which Ayersville uh, beat them pretty handily, 41-21. But I expect this game to be a lot closer than that score in week two. I agree with you. That's the one I got circled as well, you know, is coming through with 7-10. Delphus Jefferson team that surprised me. It, they really did. You know, I don't think that, you know – that they were picked to, to finish that high in the Northwest Conference, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think Coach Ben Rarick's done an outstanding job. You know, they lost their first two games of the season, you know, to St. John's and Ayersville, but, boy, did they bounce back. You know, they won five of their last six games. You know, I think when they beat Crestview, you know, it kind of, you know, turned people's heads, you know, and, you know, Crestview had started out three and, you know, three and oh, and then it just continued. You know, they beat Ada, and then they turned and beat Lipsick, and then Bluffton, who's five and five, so – I'm, I agree with you on this game. I think they're a team that got better as the season went on. And in Ayersville, not to say they haven't, but it's always hard to beat someone twice in the same season. You know, so I, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a lot closer. And, you know, for, you know, Ayersville maybe, you know, I'm not saying take anything away, you know, but they had a couple tough losses there. Mm. Eight and nine, you know, eight and nine, I think, you know, like, think about the loss to Antwerp and then turn around and that tough loss to Wayne Trace, you know, finish with the win against Fairview, who was winless. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Ayersville. I think they're a very good football team. But I think that's an interesting matchup. But uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups, actually. Well, another <laughs> one, St. John's, you know, I, yeah. I, looked, I just looked down and, you know, he's talking about Jefferson, St. John's, you know. Todd Schulte, the job he's done. I did not see St. John's beating New Bremen in week 10. I thought that was a huge upset. And the next thing you know, St. John's is catapulted up into 12, you know, so. I, I was, so that, that one alone had to throw them up to 12 that far, didn't it? I mean, it, it, did, it you, didn't, did you think if they win, if they if they lost that game the other night, they were getting in? Uh, no. Okay. I, 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 I don't know how to explain this, but. I had did about five or six scenarios because we doing the radio on 
Friday that I thought would possibly happen. So I could kind of, as the scores came in, I could kind of give the listeners an opportunity to kind of tell them who was going to play who. But when it came in that St. John's, you know, defeated New Bremen and I was just shocked. I said, this is going to throw everything off. And it, and it did, you know, that's just, that's a huge win, especially in your last game of the season. You know, now, you know, you're up to a 12 and well, that's a tough matchup, I think, for Arlington. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't expect Arlington to have the record they had. I went to the week one when Paulding traveled to Arlington, and the Panthers, they're a couple plays away from trying to tie that game up. So, and then when I saw them beat Liberty Benton, that turned some heads. But then, you know, I think St. John's is very capable of beating Arlington. Yeah. The thing about St. John's, you know, they're battle-tested. I mean, when you look at the teams they played, you know, Played Jefferson with six and four non-league, and then played LCC. You know, on t- top of playing Versailles, Marion Local, Coldwater, and all those other teams. You know, they're battle tested. So, yeah, I would definitely would be a tough matchup. So that's a game too. You know, I'm gonna look at that five twelve matchup between those two. You know, because I thought this was one of the toughest regions. I really did, as far as Division Seven, because you know we can talk about st henry with two wins a lot of there was some two three wins teams make it in division seven but then when you look at this one you know you had Leipzig. i wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the season they would finish 20th and you know they made the playoffs like 13 consecutive years you know sycamore mohawks made it five consecutive and crestview finishing the start of the season three and oh you know i wouldn't have thought they'd went one and what six in their last seven games but they had a lot of injuries you know so there was a lot of shakeup. And then Pioneer North Central, first year of high school football, yeah. you know, played five out-of-state opponents. There was no conference affiliation, and they finished 14. So it was really hard this region to predict, you know, how it was actually going to finish. But, you know, and then you got LCC who's fourth, and I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but every week's a playoff game for them because they're always playing new opponents. So they're always battle-tested as well coming. They're a tough draw in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I think that, that's a battle is, of two, six, and four teams. Yeah, and, you know, there you go, and that's what I was getting ready to mention. And, you know, so – but LCC, the schedule they played, you got to think it's put them in a, that position. And they're, they're tough to beat at, at Lima Senior there at uh, Lima Stadium. Yeah. Uh, let's transition a little bit to, to the Edgerton Bulldogs. Uh, they're the 11. They travel to Gibsonburg. Um, Bulldogs of, you know – Lost two straight now to Tenor and Antwerp, and uh, this is going to be tough for them going on the road getting a win. Well, you know, Edgerton was first of all, it's yeah, Edgerton to me is one of those. You know, they were four and six a year ago. So when you you just asked me a team that improved, it definitely is them. They finished seven and three, but I just thought that was a tough loss to Antwerp. You know, you know, yeah, you know, not scoring. You know, thirty nine. I did not see that thirty nine zero coming. You know what I mean? And give that give hats off to Antwerp. So not the game that you want in week 10 going into the playoffs, as you mentioned. So, you know, I don't know what to think, you know, with Edgerton, they're a team that have played very good at times. And then, like I said, you know, had a couple games where, you know, you just did not see that score coming. Does that make sense? Yep. And that, you know, 39 to zero against Antwerp, I just didn't see that coming, you know? So I'm curious to see how they'll rebound from that. in week 10, as they play Gibsonburg, as you mentioned, you know, and again, as you mentioned, they're coming off a big loss to Hopewell Loudon, you know, 40 to 13. So that'll be interesting to see how that game is played and how that comes out. Sean, you talked about Edgerton being four or six a year ago. You know, people talked about the GMC coming into this year. 
would you uh, guess that four teams out of the GMC would have been making the playoffs this season? I was just thinking, is it five? Five, five. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. five. Eight. Yep. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking here. So this year, you know, you had, I think, Ayersville, Antwerp, Tenora, Wayne, Trace, and Edgerton. If I, if I have that correct. Yep, that's what so, I got. You know, and the, the thing is, this is what I was trying to figure out the other day. So not with sixteen teams taken, how many non-league games you have to win, and what effect that has on your conference, and how many teams make it. And so if you look at the GMC, um, this year I think they went 11 and 13 non-league, which that got five teams in. Last year they went 8 and 16, and they only got three teams in, I think, last year, and that was Sonora, Antwerp, and Ayersville. So then I looked at the Northwest Conference. The Northwest Conference this year just kind of – it was kind of flip-flop. They got three teams in this year, Alanis Grove and Jefferson. They were 12 and 12 overall in non-league. But the year before, they were 18 and 6, and they got six teams in. So, you know, you were asking a question about, you know, strength of schedule and type things. You know, not non-league, your opponents in your conference winning games non-league is huge at the end of how many teams that you get in the conference or into the playoffs. And so, you know, for the Green Meadows, you know, definitely played better in the non-league portion, which it paid off and got two additional teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's something, really something. Um, but, but but then you're also at the mercy of the regions you're in too. You know what I mean? So there's right. there's a lot of factors. You know when you're talking about it. Um, so, so I got one final question. We're talking about the Green Meadows Conference. Uh, the last time we talked, you haven't seen Paulding in person yet. Uh, you got to see him two straight weeks back to back. What does the Panthers the outlook of their season? And then what can springboard him in the offseason under uh, Jim Menzies? You know, I, there was a – the thing I, I really liked about polling this year, you know, the games that we play – that they played and watched, you know, they're very competitive. You know, they, you know I'm not saying they, – they played hard, and they didn't give up. You know, they – I was very impressed with them, you know, defensively. I know that they didn't get the outcomes and type things, but they were making plays. And what we talked about a lot, Kenny and I, off the radio – how young they were. I mean, they, that whole offensive line was coming back next year. So the enthusiasm that we saw with the coaches, you know, the kids, I, we, we saw a lot of positives. And, and with all the t- kids that they returned, I, I really think the big thing is going to be in the offseason. You know, how, how much they develop, how much they improve. You know, they, I, they got a high ceiling. I, I'm very impressed with their young classes. I think they got a really good eighth grade from what I've been told. You know, I see some positive and a positive outlook, but I really believe that the development, you know, and how much they improve from, you know, make that step from this season to next. But, you know, I see some really good things happening. I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, that's what I see. I, I really saw, you know, a lot of kids, you know, you know, they got some of the pieces, you know, they got injured at the quarterback, you know, and so they were starting a freshman quarterback and type things, but he showed a lot of maturity. I mean, he showed a lot of toughness standing in the pocket and type things. So I, I really do. I just think the big thing for Paulding is this offseason making that next step. I agree with that. Yep, I, I agree absolutely. I think the defense took a step up this year compared to last year. And I think, yeah, didn't have a big senior class, so. Yeah, and that you know they were young on the line, and I thought at times they did very well. And you know, that and that's a big part of the game that people don't understand. You know, 
most times we talk to coaches, they're going to tell you, you know, it's, it's one up front. You know, it's one up front. You know, I want to win the trenches. I want to control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, so the big thing with Paulding and Stu's is all those kids stay out, stay together, you know, have a good off season. you know, maybe pick up a couple more kids. And uh, I see some positives, you know, occurring. It's just been a tough situation there. You know, you know, when you had basically three coaches in one year, you know, that's a tough situation, but they seem to adapt and getting a good staff together. And hopefully they do. And I think they do. And so I think that'll springboard them. I think there's a lot of positives going on. And I think things that Paulding, people should look be excited for yeah. i mean you didn't I, I look at it this way they were one and nine but they went into the game against wayne trace i would have never guessed their record was one and eight i don't know how you felt but the way they came out and played you would have never known yeah yeah i, I agree too well, that first quarter they they competed in the first half for a little bit then wayne trace's depth kind of took over so yeah and you just a couple mistakes you know you look at that game you know you know uh, you know, a couple mistakes, and that's, you know, was a, you know, Wayne Trace capitalized on, you know, and that was a little bit of the difference. But no, I think Paulie's got a lot to play for, a lot of good things going on there. So, um, especially, and from being told, a, a good young group of kids coming. So, if they all stay with it, I mean, I, I hope them nothing but the best, you know. So, hopefully that happens. I got one more thing. All right. <laughs> we're, we're not going to go over this region a whole lot just because. South region of um, Division Seven, but Division Seven, Region Twenty Eight. Uh, if my math is correct, I think I counted here. We got four MAC teams in there. You've got New Bremen Five, Minster Six, Fort Recovery Eleven, and St. Henry Fifteen. And I'm I'm not saying anything here, fellas. I'm not calling <laughs> anybody out on upset, but it's the MAC, baby. It is. And so, you know, I asked somebody, you know, in Division 7 overall, you know, who's the favorite? You know, of course, New Bremen was considered the favorite for most of the season, you know, and I don't know. You know, there still are, you know, after the loss to St. John's. But the, the teams that keep coming up is New Bremen, um, Newark Catholic, JFK Warren, and then also Macomb. You know, those are the teams that the ones, you know, teams are very familiar with. But, yeah, this region, as you mentioned, is going to be interesting because – you're going to have a lot of regular season possibly matchups, you know, occurring if the MAC teams win, you know, that they're very familiar with each other. And, you know, and I wouldn't count out Minster at six, you know, when you take their losses, you know, Fort Loramie was eight and two, Marion Local, you know, and New Bremen of Versailles. So, you know, they're a very good football team as well. So, yeah, that's will be an interesting region. Yeah. Now, 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 granted, um, Minster has to play Fort Recovery, so obviously one of them's going to go down. But uh, still, I, I looked through that one real quick, and I'm like, okay, anything can happen in here with with these teams. Yeah, you know that'll be a region I'll look at, and you know for whatever reason, um, Peyton mentioned it too earlier. You know, uh, going back to Region 18, you know, because as the weeks go on, just because you got Liberty Center, Archbold. Coldwater, you know, teams that kind of have a history in the playoffs, you know, so that will be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, see if some of those games that have been played in the past, whether, you know, they get the opportunity to meet again in the playoffs. Yeah. One more thing I was going to ask you, Sean, the first two weeks are all on Friday night, right? Yeah. The first two weeks are all on Friday night, you know, uh, the higher seed 
is the team that will get to uh, the higher seed will be the team that will get to host. So yes, and so I think every game starts at seven. If I yeah. remember correct, it'll be at seven on Friday. Then it changes um, in week three. Okay, yeah. My my follow up was: Do you know which divisions are playing Friday or Saturday? Yeah, and I was just um, kind of yeah. The thing about this is, and you realize it's going to be the higher. Uh, basically, what's going to happen is week one and week two. I'm kind of reiterating here: you're going to have week one, week two. You're going to have the higher seed team host. Uh, that second round games will be played, I think, on Friday, November 4th at the better seeded's venue. But then neutral sites in the third round, divisions one, two, and three, and five playing on Friday, November 11th, four, six, and seven playing on Saturday, November 12th. Okay. So that's kind of how that's going to break down. Um, I don't understand why they do that. It seems like always changing. One year it was like one, three, five, seven, two, four, six, or yeah, but this year it's uh, it's one, two, three, and five playing on Friday, four, six, and seven playing on Saturday. Okay, round three. Yeah, I appreciate that because I hadn't seen that anywhere. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you that it's important to be in the top four like Antwerp is. I yeah. mean, I I felt last year, and I know that, you know people in Eden may not agree with me, but. I thought in that week 12 game, if that game was played at Antwerp, I think it could have made a difference. You know, it was only a, a touchdown difference in that game. I think if Antwerp would have hosted, it might have made a difference, you know. So I, I really think that, you know, being able to finish in the top four or being the higher-seeded team and getting to play at home, those first two weeks are very important because once you – you know, we're talking about bus trips in week 11. Their bus trips still exist in week 12. You know, yeah. we're not talking neutral sites where you try to find a distance halfway in between. You still going to see in week twelve some two-hour drives, for sure. Sean, my final question is: you know, out of the teams in the GMC or Northwest Conference or even Archibald Liberty, Center, which teams have the best odds of making a deep playoff run? We obviously know about Liberty Center, but what are some other teams under the radar that you think can make a deep run? Well, you know, the Northwest Conference, uh, Allen East Grove and Jefferson. I mean, it. <laughs> It's going to really depend on, and I'd have to sit and really take a good hard look, you know, to determine, you know, to make that tough run. I, I would say with experience, probably Grove. You know, when you're talking Northwest Conference, um, when you talk about Green Meadows Conference, um, you're, you're, you know, logic says Antwerp. You know, just because they're the ten and O team and going to host the first two weeks, you know, they have the better chance, you know, of making that playoff run. So I would probably say Antwerp. You know, in that, it, you know, Tenor has just got a brutal region. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just going to, you know, they got to, as a 10, you know, they're going to have to beat a seven. And then if they do that, you know, they're going to play probably Elmwood, you know, who's a nine and one. So I would probably go with Antwerp, you know, the Green Meadows Conference, and then, you know, Grove probably in the Northwest, even though Allen East, you know, is the higher seed. And that's the team you should logically say has the deeper chance of making the run. So. Yeah. Where, where will right. you be stationed up Friday, Sean? Will you uh, be? We're going your... to we're going to Antwerp, which um, I just found out today. You know, uh, um, so I, I'm excited about that. I enjoy uh, I've enjoyed watching the Archers play all season long. Um, I mean, I've given uh, Carson Altimus a lot of props. I I thought he's done an outstanding job as quarterback this season, and 
Antwerp's been fun to watch, so I'm excited to get an opportunity to watch them play against Harden Northern. And I'm excited I have a short trip. I don't have that two-hour trip that most people are going to have to make, you know, with some of these scheduled. But, yeah, that's where I'll be at Friday night. Plus, I will tell you, the Antwerp, if you ever get a chance, uh, I'll get an order of fish and chips. <laughs> Peyton was over there a couple weeks ago just macking down some sand. <laughs> you know, I, I always like to, if I get a chance, you know, it, we talk about the game, but, you know, the thing about it is it's just not the game. It's the bands, the cheerleaders, everything else that go around. That's the part I enjoy, you know, Friday night at Paulding. You know, it was nice, the Wayne Trace and Paulding bands. You know, the senior night, you know, they had the dogs out there racing, you know, Duke, you know, Wayne Trace dog beat Paul. You know, think about everything, the sights and sounds. Some people don't realize that, you know, we, we as announcers, Kenny and I, we take it in. You know, it's it's just not, you know, we went to Paulding and uh, Jeff Price and Corey Gieske. Boy, the wings they're making, uh, incredible. You know, we had a few of those and we were giving props to them. But it's just everything about high school football. That's why I like it played on Friday night. You know, we don't play college football on Friday night. We don't play pro on Friday night. We let Friday night be for high school football for the kids. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you and I didn't talk about, you know, 16 teams in the playoff. We could have a long discussion. You know, I'm against 16 teams, but the only reason I am for the 16 teams is for the kids. Yeah. You know, so and that's what it's all about. It's about the kids and the experience and the cheering sections and everything that goes with it. So. Yeah, you know, I like to mention that and type things, but yeah, I'll be eating some fish and chips Friday. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for joining us. I know it's kind of boring talking playoffs with you. I like to joke around when you're looking at numbers, you're looking at matchups and type things. And it's tough because they're they're high school kids, you know, and I don't want to sit here and say, you know, I think this team or this team, you know what I mean? You just don't want to do that. You want to be very positive. You know, you, you, you know, just making the playoffs, that's an experience, you know, that, you, you know, we were talking about the two hour trip, but you know what, that two hour trip, those kids will never forget that. They'll remember wherever the coaches stop, you know, where we got off, you know, if they years later drive by, they'll tell their kids or their wife or whoever, you know, we stopped there on our way to the playoffs and we played so-and-so. So you know how that is. You know, yeah. you got to remember the experience and hopefully for every team this Friday night, it's a positive experience and something that they can remember. You know, I, I always feel bad for the kids every year. And I don't know how you guys feel that play their last game. I don't know what it is, but you don't ever forget playing your last high school football game. I, to this day, will have reminisce and remember what that's like. Yeah. Peyton and I shared our, our stories last week on the, on the podcast. I don't know if you caught the last episode, but. Um, it is it's, you just you remember absolutely everything i feel like so you do it's hard to, you know you're never going to put them back on you know and it's just it's a very tough situation so it happens every year in week 10 i was watching the paulding seniors you know getting you know pictures taken and type things and not wanting to leave the field and, and my heart just goes out to the kids you know because i remember it'll be the same way after this playoff game the team who loses their seniors, my heart will go to them because I know what that feeling's like. Yeah. Well, Sean. Hey, I want to tell you guys, thank you. Go ahead. I appreciate you guys doing your podcast. I, I, we need more of this. We need more things out there. I know the kids listen to it. And, you know, we need to promote our athletes and promote Northwest Ohio. We just don't have as much opportunity because of being kind of isolated. So, guys, I appreciate doing these podcasts and, you know, continue doing them, you know, try to get as many people involved and, 
maybe next time if you have me back on, we'll pick a better subject so I can make you laugh and uh, won't be as, <laughs> but I won't be as long-winded with you and things. Well, that's but something that'll be a little more enjoyable. All right? It was it was fine, and we appreciate the kind words. Um, but I mean, it's it's always fun talking playoff football, especially high school editions. So we appreciate a lot. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate having me on. All right. Yep. Thank Thanks, you. Sean. Made to Achieve Cleaning Service is looking for more clients in the Paulding and Defiance areas. They specialize in residential, business, and RV cleaning. They are insured. They provide all supplies and equipment. All you do is provide the mess. Their goal is to achieve your clean home dreams. Check them out on Facebook at Made to Achieve or their website at www.madetoachieve.com. Peyton again, you know, Sean always dropping some nuggets. We appreciate him coming on again. I mean, this guy's just full of knowledge. Yeah, he, he sees it every Friday night. He's at different venues and different high schools, seeing all different types of teams. So, yeah, he you know, he studies it, and uh, you know, thanks to him for coming on. I do want to mention, you know, I have been publicly clear that I hate these 16-team playoffs. Uh, um, I don't think it's good. But uh, Sean did make a good point there later as in our interview that, uh, you know, it's about the kids and they're going to remember it. You know, I've, I've been all Debbie Downer about it, but he's right. You know, even the kids that, you know, they're, they're going to probably – the 16 teams are probably going to lose. They're going to remember it. They're going to remember, you know, any opportunity to put the pads on is uh, got to be grateful. And um, he did get to uh, – he did drop some nuggets and, you know, made me reflect on, you know, why – it is okay to have 16 teams. Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about it last night uh, in the first part of this. I thought, you know, we brought it up and mentioned it to each other. Um, I definitely see both sides. I mean, there's times you're just like, why do you want to go play? And maybe you're that 16 team and you have no business playing the one. Um, you know, that, that – those things happen, so you go get your tail kicked, maybe. But again, I don't know. Maybe you know you throw those pads on one more time. That, that might be worth it. So, yep, definitely see both sides. And, and it's football; you just never know. You got to bring it. Yeah, exactly. Um, that'll wrap it up, man. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we jump off here? About just uh, you know the teams that get to play week eleven, enjoy it. You know, view of very few get to you know get to suit up. There's teams that uh, that are practicing basketball, so enjoy the sights and sounds of Week 11. And uh, are you making the trip to Crestview or Ashland Crestview? I mean, oh, don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't made my mind up yet. Okay. Part of me wants to. Another part of me is uh, might go catch DB and the and the streaks. That's gonna be a good one. That's gonna be oh, a real good one. That'll be a real good one. So might make the might make the trip up to Archbold just to watch uh, them and Liberty Benton. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. To tell you the truth. righty. So, um, so good recap uh, we had of this weekend, and then a little playoff preview with Sean. That was again, that was great for him to come on, and a little longer than we expected, but I, I, it, it is that, that, that hour flew by of talking to him. So yeah. Um, I got a shout out. Uh, Go ahead. Shout out to uh, mom, dad, Luke, and Kobe Four that made the trip to Columbus. Got to see them this weekend. Good seeing them. And uh, yep. So shout out to them for my trip down. 
I'm going to shout out um, Lindsay and Jake on their marriage again. Another another good wedding this weekend. Um, and again, I want to shout out uh, a guy that you mentioned. You mentioned to me before we went on air. Do you want to shout him out? I'll shout him out too. I forget who I mentioned. Gave you a text and said, where can he find the pod? Oh, Mr. Mark Manns. Yeah. Give him a shout out. We appreciate all our listeners. And again, email us across the field pod at yahoo.com. Email we'll us some it. talk some topics you want us to talk about. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get into dead time where our teams are gonna be uh, our coverage teams are you're not gonna be in the playoffs. You know, we hope the teams make a run, but uh, there's gonna be a dead period in between football and basketball. Mm-hmm. We've got some ideas, but we're looking for some other ones. You can text us, tweet us, email us. And uh, we're going to come up with some topics. And we've got some things lined up already. Uh, don't want to give them away just yet, but uh, pretty excited for some things we got coming. Absolutely. Um, so, I do want to sh- – last people I want to shout out, uh, Jason Landers from My Sports. He gave us a nice little shout-out on their coverage uh, for oh, polling yeah? Wayne Trace. Yep. So shout-out to him. And then the Duder gave us a shout-out on their last pod with uh, Lindsey Keys. So – yeah, I did listen to that. That was a very good episode. Great podcast. Um, go over there and check them out. The Duder podcast. Um, Rob Bailey and whoever he's got on. So, uh, again, another good one. I just love the local podcasts. And we're just hoping to add something, maybe something a little different to the area. So. Uh, that was the whole intention behind this thing, and I enjoy doing it. I think Peyton does as well. Uh, it, it does. It gets me away from schoolwork sometimes to <laughs> catch up with some high school football or high school basketball, whatever it may be. All right, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, Wednesday. Yep, sounds like a plan. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, and we'll see you. Have a good one. You're listening to Across the Field. Peace out.